I have a word that I want to give this morning, so hallelujah. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. I just, I want to talk about how to develop a warring, warring faith, a warring faith. Y'all know, you know, up until about six or seven months ago, we talked about a war that we are going to be going into, a spiritual war. But y'all know we're in that war now. And so today I want to talk about developing that warring faith and how we redeem the time and how we reconnect, how we reconnect to the DNA of Yeshua, how we reconnect to the covenantal promises of Abraham and Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah. Every spiritual blessing. What do we lack? Really, in the spiritual, nothing. Verse 4. He chose us, and I want you to listen to these words of action that he has done to us and in us. And through us in these next verses, he chose us in the Messiah before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoptions as sons through Messiah Yeshua in keeping with the good pleasure of his will to the glorious praise of his grace with which he favored us through the one he loves in him. I love those two words. In him we have redemption through his blood. The removal of trespasses in keeping with the richness of his grace that he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will in keeping with his good pleasure that he planned in Messiah. The plan of the fullness of times is to bring all things together in the Messiah. In the fullness of time... We've been talking about times and times. He brings all things together in the fullness of Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth, all in him. Again, those two words, all in him. Imagine if he didn't exist, nothing would hold together. There's just no way. In him, we also were chosen, predestined according to your plan. No, his plan. He keeps working out all things according to the purposes of his will so that we who were the first to put our hope in Messiah might be for his glorious praise. First of all, we need to understand that before the foundations of the world that he knew the times that we would be born in. It is no surprise, it is not a random thing that you are here today living in August 2020 in this crazy year. It's not random. He has specific purposes for us according to the plans of the fullness of his times to bring all things together in the Messiah. And we are part of that plan for the end days, the fullness of his plans. And we are in a war This is what we've been talking about. We're in a war. And the key to advancing in a time of war is to being positioned correctly. To be positioned correctly. 
I love to read. I'm a kind of an amateur military historian. And I love to read especially World War II history. You think about D-Day, June 6, 1944, and we all think one day all these armies, the Allied armies came and they, no, it was two years in planning. Operation Overlord, which actually became D-Day. There was a way that the Allies planned that their armies would be positioned in a certain way. And as a matter of fact, we even created fake armies, just like fake news. <laughs> fake armies. Did you know that there was a general named George Patton who was one of the greatest generals that we've ever had, and he was put over an army that didn't exist. But the Germans thought he did. So the Germans planned to, uh, to, to take on George Patton, but he wasn't part of the D-Day invasion. He had the third army, which was all on paper, and it was all fake. As a matter of fact, they made up fake tanks, fake tents, fake hospitals, fake everything, so that if the Germans were to spy on them, they would see these things, but they were all fake. Now, the Germans, on the other hand, were not in position because they were all expecting an, an invasion from in a place called Calais, which is the north of France, okay? And so all the armies were faced in that direction except for a few who were actually where the invasion took place. So being positioned in a spiritual sense, and I'm talking about us right now, is an issue of right standing. It's how are we in relationship to our commander-in-chief, to our father, to our God, to Yeshua? Are we submitted and surrendered to him and his purposes? Remember, we're here not by accident, not random. We're here for such a time as this. He knew you in your mother's womb that you would be born for this time. So are we submitted and surrendered and are, are our ears tuned in to the king? Shema. This is what Siri was talking about today. Shema, that word that means more than just hearing a noise. It means hearing and acting upon, responding to what we're hearing. Shema. It's a time to remove stones and obstructions in our walk. God is, of the many things that are happening today, you hear about all the fruit in Africa, but there's so many things happening today. It's a reawakening. God is awakening his church, his bride, his ecclesia to be who we are called to be. But we need to get rid of the all the the uh, distractions and obstructions and the stones that are in our lives so that we can be used properly for the Lord, be, you know, in that right position for him. It, we have to deal with the flesh. I read something the other day, and it kind of just blew my socks off. Blew my socks off. Where'd that come from? <laughs> if you do not crucify your flesh privately... In other words, in Matthew, excuse me, in Galatians 5, you know, Paul says, you crucify the flesh. If we don't do that in our time with the Lord, and he said, your flesh will crucify you publicly. We don't want that. Our flesh, and, and the scriptures talk about the flesh. This is flesh, our human body. It's flesh. But also, Shaul, Paul talks about the flesh in the New Testament, it's, it's not just the body, it's, it's me meeting my needs out of my own resources, abilities, and strengths, independent of God. Flesh is when you do something in your own strength without consulting or being submitted to God. Anybody ever done that before? 
So the flesh covers everybody. It covers those who love the Lord and also those who don't. If our flesh is not crucified, not submitted to God's timing, access is given to the enemy, to Satan, to move us out of time. Does that make sense? See, if we're not submitted to God and we're not killing the flesh, it'll move us, the enemy will come in and move us out of time and out of God's purposes. You know, we read about the flesh and in the Old Covenant, in Isaiah 53, verse 6, says, all of us, like sheep have gone astray, turned to his own way. That's a perfect definition of the flesh. We've all turned to our, gone our own way. In Jeremiah 2.13, it says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So we've forsaken God, and we said, whoa, let's, let's make our own cisterns, our own containers over here out of this rock, and we're not relying upon God. See, without understanding of time, and that's why we've been talking about times over the last months, you know, when we talk about Shabbat, we talk about the Feast of the Lord, we talk about the new moon, we talk about the specific months, and they all have specific purposes. When we see that, we're going to be talking about the tribes later on. If we move out of an understanding of God's times, Satan will attempt to, to keep us from advancing as the army of God. There's an interesting scripture in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. It says, he, the evil one, he will speak against the Most High. We've heard a lot of that lately, haven't we? The evil one just using people, flesh and blood, to speak against God things. He will speak against the Most High. And this is the part that really struck out to me. And will continually harass the Kedoshim, the children of God. Anybody here feel harassed lately? Okay, this is... That's the enemy's strategy. It's nothing new. Daniel talks about it 3,000 years ago. He will continue, continually harass the Kedoshim of the Most High and will try to change the appointed times and law. That's why it is so important to know God's timings. Not just the Shabbat and the Feast of the Lords, but the time that we're in now. The time that we're in now. That voice that we're hearing that is continually harassing people, believers. This is the voice that we're hearing today through the media, through the anarchists. Anybody feel peace when they hear, turn on the news? Do you, are you, oh, wow, that just soothes my soul to hear the latest count of the COVID virus. I'm so tired. You know what I found out that really blew me away is if you try writing, you know, typing COVID on your iPhone, it will automatically capitalize it. I don't want it capitalized. I'm tired of it being capitalized. What is it? How does it do that? I don't want to go there. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> It's an algorithm. Well, anyways, we're tired of hearing those algorithms. 
because they are intended, and this is what they are intended to do, is to wear down the saints, the children of God, to exhaust us and to render us ineffective. I've talked to a lot of people who've been overwhelmed. They're weary. They're discouraged. But I want to encourage you today because God in his word and through his ruach is awakening his bride. He's awakening us. And when we trust in him, turn with me to to Proverbs chapter 3. I love this passage of scripture. Proverbs chapter 3 starting in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my mitzvot. That's what we're talking about today in the Torah portion. For length of days and years of life and shalom, they will add to you. Keeping his word, he will give us length of days and shalom. Keep on adding on. Let kindness and truth never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will gain favor and a good name in the eyes of the Lord. Trust in Adonai with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Amen. God can redeem all that was lost. Family, finances, calling, inheritance. He is able to do that. But what these verses What they imply is intimate relationship and communion that develops, that equips us to defeat the devil. That is what will defeat the devil. Just quoting scriptures won't do it. But when we're in an intimate relationship with a living God and the word is in us, that's what I love when David reads the word. from, Because it's not only words that are here, they're in his heart when he memorized them, but it's not just memorizing here, it's in his heart. These verses imply intimate relationship and communion that equips us to defeat the devil. You're not going to be able to defeat the devil. That is a hard thing to say, to defeat the devil. That's, but I'm saying it, I'm doing it. It can't be done in your own strength. It cannot be done in your own strength. Verse 5 and 6, I love those. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways, and he will make your path straight. Those verses are not, think, are not talking about just thinking right, having good thoughts, not just about thinking right, but an absolute trust and allegiance to Yeshua, to God, and he will direct our present and our future. See, too many of us know a lot about the Bible, but do we know intimately the person of Yeshua? See, when we trust him, if he says, I want you to leave your great job, sell a lot of your stuff possessions, and go to Israel and learn how to speak Hebrew. And you say, I bind that in the name of Yeshua. No, that's called obedience. And you walk out, and how does that feel, Stepping, taking that step of faith? A little scary, but you know, you know that you know it's God doing it. You see, when we are, it's about, you know, acknowledging him in all our ways, and he will make our path straight. It's our heart 
motivations, our intentions, our attitudes, the words, our actions, our behavior, even when you can't see beyond the next turn in the road. How do we trust him? Obeying the last thing that he called you to do. What is the last thing that he called you to do? Obey that obedience, faithfulness, and the last thing that he's called you to do. I learned that principle, and I still am learning that principle. God's not going to keep on telling you, I want you to do this, if you haven't done the last thing he told you to do. Just look at the children of Israel. For 38 years, he showed their, his faithfulness, and they kept on kind of doing the same stuff. And he needed a new generation who would come into the land and possess the land. You see, when our walk is upright, when we're walking in his ways and we're acknowledging him in all our ways, he will untwist the iniquity in our path and make the way straight. The Hebrew word for iniquity is awan. It's different than sin. It's different than sin. Awan, iniquity. What is what is this iniquity that he will make a straight path? Wicked, immoral, a sense of wrong, essence of wrongdoing or evil. Iniquity is linked in a lot of ways to our past generations. Sins are acts of behavior that I do, that I commit today. But iniquity goes deeper. It goes to my generations, past generations. But when he makes, when he, when we're dealing with those iniquities, he makes our way straight, and we will know which, where we were going. We are going. In verse seven, in Proverbs chapter three, he says, "Do not be wise in your own eyes; fear Adonai and turn away from evil." Now there are many definitions of evil in the Word of God: idolatry, the occult, rebellion, sexual immorality. Those are in the category of evil. He will also define evil for you in your life. What do I mean by that? There are some good things that might be evil for you. In other words, if you are obsessed with certain things or doing certain things that are keeping you away from trusting him, is there anything wrong with watching the news? No, in itself, it's not. But if it's causing you to walk in fear, then that's a problem. That's an evil for you that you need to deal with that. I remember this really, it's so simple that I laughed. Jack Hayford, he was talking about he was struggling because he was having a hard time waking up and getting things going in the morning. And the Lord showed him, he says, you know, what time is he going to bed? And he's going to bed at 10 o'clock at night or whatever. And um, the Lord says, well, go to bed earlier. So Jack Haver says, I repented of going to bed later and changed directions and started to go into bed earlier. He obeyed what the Lord said, and he felt whole different, you know, very different. He had a lot more energy and, and, and strength by that one hour. By, but it wasn't even that. It was just obeying what God had spoken to him about that thing. 
The internet, there's nothing wrong with the internet. There's nothing wrong with social media. But if you become obsessed with it and you're led by it and it directs us in it and it, and it, it affects my emotions, then there's a problem. Deal with it. God says maybe that, stop doing that. Stop doing that. I know for me, and he's still working on this, I have a kind of humor sometimes. I call it dry, but it can be sarcasm. And the Lord points that out to me at times. I can be just teasing, sarcastic, but the other person may not receive it that way. So God is speaking to me about that. That's evil for me is when I, that sarcasm can, can go into, you know, judgmentalism and meanness sometimes. So God wants us to deal with these issues. You know, the evil that we read about in the scriptures, but also there are things that you are doing in your life. And I remember when Bill Bullock was here. And Bill Bullock, when he first got saved, remember he was a musician. And the Lord got a hold of him and basically said, put your guitar down. Put your guitar down. It became an idol to him. Is there anything evil about a guitar or being a musician? Absolutely not. But when that becomes your source, that becomes the problem. When that becomes what you lean on, what you trust in instead of the Lord, then it becomes a problem. Verse 8, chapter, Proverbs chapter 3, it says, It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. If you do this, it will be health to your body refreshment, dealing with these iniquities in our life, it defeats the generational iniquity in our bloodline. You see, iniquity is in our bloodline. And I'm going to see if I can explain it to you in a generational kind of way. You see patterns in your family. You see patterns in yourself that you saw maybe in your families. Maybe there's addictions. Maybe there's alcoholism. Maybe there's divorce, a lot of divorce, or abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and you've seen this or you've heard about it in your family line, and you struggle with that yourself. I would say that there is a DNA of iniquity that needs to be dealt with. Does that make sense? Get rid of those things. Break off that iniquitous past because it's become part of our DNA. It's twisted our DNA, and God wants to untwist that. I know in our family, you know, we're having to deal with, and we're, and we're a blended family, which makes it kind of unusual when you have step-parents, step-dad, step-sons, step-children, because the bloodline is different. But there is an authority issue, too. Last year when Isaac took his life, you know, we suicide. We have to look at that. Is that part of a, that iniquity in our family? We want to break that off in our family so it's not continued and the rest of the family. Iniquity is passed through the DNA and can be untwisted, and the blood can be purified if we allow God to do it. I'm going to do this very quickly. If you put up those nine phases of the cycle of life, and, you know, I mean, this, I'm, this is people's opinions, but nine phases of life that we go through. First of all, conception, and this is so important. Conception is when the seed penetrates that egg, conceived. That's where God says he knew you even in your mother's womb. Conception is the beginning of who you are. Then there's physical birth. 
nine months of gestation, physical birth. You start relating to the outside world. And then there's the age of accountability. And of course, you know, being Jewish, you know, at 13, you're bar mitzvahed, you're now a man, right? Uh, you know, but there's an age of accountability where you become responsible and accountable for your actions. And then there's that time of rebirth, being born again, where you, your first birth, but Yeshua said you must be born again. And of course, we know, you know, the, the uh, dialogue that he has with um, Nicodemus. How can him go back into his mother's womb? But rebirth key right there. Now we are being reborn into a new family, sort of speak, a new DNA. And then we receive hope. It may be at the same time as salvation, but a receiving a hope. Because when Yeshua comes in into our lives, that gives us a hope, not just for today, but for our future and for an eternity. Okay, let's go on to the next one. And then we mature in our faith, discipleship. We grow in our understanding. We grow in our understanding and relationship with Yeshua. And then number seven, demonstration. We actually begin to practice those things. And we begin to disciple other people. And then we see manifestation. In other words, we see the fruit coming about. Okay, and the last phase is completion, which could also be defined as you die. But you see it in a circular. It's not a linear. It's circular. We're coming back to the Father. We started because he says, I knew you in your mother's womb. I knew you before the foundations of the world. And then you come into this, to this earth and you have a purpose. We all have a purpose. And then we come back to the Father. The enemy, Satan, the devil, will try to remove hope from your future when you're born again. First of all, when you're born into this world, or actually even when you're in your mother's womb, devil is at work to try to destroy you. That's why we have abortion. What is it? How many millions of aborted babies since 1973 in this country? I don't know, 60 million? Okay, so we can see that there's an enemy, but even in this world, he will try to remove hope from you when you are born again. He will break into the cycle in those nine cycles, anywhere he wants to, he'll break into that cycle in some way to divert God's blessing for you and for your family. He will do that. And that's where that iniquity comes in. And once he's accomplished this, then the iniquity forms or continues in the bloodline. That's what I'm saying. Look at the patterns in your life. Look at the patterns in your family. Are there patterns there? And you say, well, yeah, but this is the way it was. This is the way my father was. This is the way my grandfather was. I am who I am. I can't do anything about it. Yes, you can. I believe you can. I believe that God can break off those generational iniquities. You know, there's a, we see this kind of played out very early in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 4. First of all, we have Adam and Eve in the garden. And we knew that God walked with them in intimacy, and then they rebelled, and, and then we see what happens, and, and then comes Genesis chapter 4, and they have Cain and Abel, okay? In Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And, and it's interesting because they're bringing 
offerings before the Lord. So there's still a relationship. Even though that, you know, they were banished from the garden, there's still a relationship that Adam and Eve had, and they passed it on to their children. But even though there's still that sin, the initial sin of Adam was passed on that we're still living in. We're still living in. But it, there's still that relationship with the Lord. In Genesis 4, verse 6, says, Then Adonai said to Cain, they bring the offerings. I mean, you know the, the story of the bringing the offerings. Why are you angry? God is speaking, interacting with Cain. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, it will lift. But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the doorway. Its desire is for you. But you must master it. Interesting. And this, we also see the same principle in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give the devil a foothold. Deal with it. Deal with the iniquity in your life, in your family's life, in your bloodline. If you don't, your bloodline, in other words, your children, your children's children, become fair game. And the enemy's desire, remember, is to take you out of time. To take you out of time. So I believe part of what we're in this season right now is for God to deal with these issues. Deal with our wrong attitude, our stinking thinking, our flesh, but also to deal with the iniquity in our lives. And God has this conversation with, with Cain, and it's not, he doesn't want him to do that. Why are you doing that? If you do right, you'll be blessed. God is saying to Cain, and, but he's also saying this to us, if you do, if you worship me, if you decide to worship me, then you'll be accepted. But if you don't, sin is right there, going to take you out of time. Sin's desire was passed on through his mother, Eve. The same desire said she desired her husband. I don't want to get into all that. There's teachings on that. What does that mean? Her, your desire will be for your husband. That's not this, oh, I love you. You're my faithful husband. That's not the kind of desire that we're talking about. I don't have time to get into that right now. But that sin's desire was passed on through the blood to their children. So I want to bring things to a close here. Just a few minutes, bear with me, and then we're going to have a little bit of worship. Warring faith. Warring faith requires us to deal with the hindrances in our lives. He's calling us into a, a oneness with him and with each other. See, intimacy with him is what he's calling us to. But out of that, love your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor. Love your brother and sister. He's calling us into that oneness with him so that we can be one with each other and bring us into the right time and position. All of us are here, not by accident, not randomly. We're here because we have a purpose that God put, us, put into us before the foundations of the world to be fulfilled now. You know, like I said, God gave me an assignment. God gives us assignments all the times. 
all the time. And, and, and our obedience is staying in time with him, in his times. God gave me an assignment to go to the Capitol. I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know who's going to be coming with me. But that's an assignment that he gave to me for a purpose. All of us have an assignment that he gave. All of us have purposes that have not yet been fulfilled. And he's waiting for his sons and his daughters to walk in that light, to come alive. Kuma Adonai. Kuma Adonai. Arise within us, Lord. It's a time to see ourselves as in union, not only with God, but with one another. See, we all have a part to play at this time. You know, I'm reminded that I believe that you know, this day that we're in, we see all the evil, and it's not just here in America, but it's all over the world. Anti-Semitism is rising. That's all part of what's going to be happening in these last days. The love of many will grow cold. I believe in the 1930s, there was an opportunity for the church to arise and say no to evil. Hitler was arising. He was coming Basically, his, his hatred of the Jews, his hatred, hatred of God's people, and basically the church was silent for the most part during the 1930s. And the result was the Holocaust. We're in a day today where God is saying to his bride, because he never gives up. See, we're in covenant with him. We blow it, and, and even Siri mentioned that today. We blow it in covenant, but God never breaks covenant with us. And we're at a time where he is awakening covenantal purposes in us because of his love for us. And he wants us to be participants, to be, to be partners with him in what he's doing in these days. Would you stand with me? It's necessary to deal with the hindrances in our life to fulfill the destiny that God has for us in the kingdom of God. This is the season what we're in right now. Isaiah 51, verse 1. It says, listen to me, you have pursued justice, you who seek Adonai. Look to the rock. This is a time for us to look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. And this is an interesting, I want to finish with these. I read these last week, but I didn't really. In Matthew chapter 1, you see, we're born again, but we're born into a new family with a new DNA. And let me give you a little picture of what that DNA looks like. Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, it says, The book of the genealogy, the generations of Yeshua, Hamashiach. Ben David, the son of David. Ben Avraham, the son of Abraham. So Yeshua could trace his family line all the way back, well, all the way to the father. But here on human, human, you know, is, is basically all the way back to Abraham. Verse 17. And I read this last week, but I want you to get this. Because God is interested in generations. He, it's very, it's important for us to understand generations. That's why iniquity is a generational thing. And God wants us to deal with these things. So all the generations from, verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the Babylonian exile are 14 generations. And from the Babylonian exile until the Messiah are 14 generations. See, there's a consistency there. 
14 generations. So what's the big deal, Stu? 14 generations. What does 14 mean? 14. 14 is the number of deliverance. Is the Hebrew In Hebrew, it means it's deliverance. Talking about God's deliverance for his people. This is the season of deliverance for us. This is the season of deliverance for us. It's a season of deliverance for our families. I just want to pray, and as the worship guys would, you know, if we can get ready, but I want to pray that over these next days, weeks, as you spend time with the Lord, ask him to look at, into your family and to deal with these iniquities from the past so that we can be free of, delivered from them. So, Father, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, I thank you, Lord, that we have been brought into your family. Lord, we died. The old stew, the old Millie, the old Patricia is dead, long gone. There's just something that we were buried, just as in Romans chapter 6, like Yeshua was buried, went under the, into the grave, into the waters of baptism. We went under those waters of baptism. We came alive, and we're in a new family with a new DNA, with a new future, with a new hope. And Father, we are tired of being bogged down with the past stuff, the generational iniquities. Father, I pray that each of us, Father, would ask, and this is an individual thing we do for our families. Lord, show us, Lord, those areas in our lives. Show us areas in our families that we are to cut off, not in a way of dishonoring our family, but a way of cutting off the iniquity from our past so that we can walk in freedom for these days. And so we can hear you shema. We can shema you and walk in obedience to what you're calling us into. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that this season, this is a season, and this is a season of newness. This is a season of refreshment. This is a season of, of restoration of what was lost is now going to be found, and you're going to walk into a new boldness and a new confidence that you've never had before. So, Father, I pray that in Yeshua's name. We bless you and honor you today. Amen, amen, amen. Amen.